0: I had enough track record and history of God's faithfulness to me, that I knew that he could just hold me in that place of uncertainty. He could hold me, I could lean into him, not run away from it, you know, lean into the pain, uh, show up with him in my heart, trust the process that as I desired healing and asked him to heal my broken heart, that he would do it.
1: You are listening to the Christian Music Archive podcast, part of the new release today podcast network. I'm your host, Dave Maurer. Each week, I share stories about Christ, community, and music, chatting with musical guests who you will find listed on the pages of the Christian Music Archive. There are thousands of creative men and women who have helped shape the soundtrack of the Christian faith, and we get to hear their stories, learn about how Christ has made a difference in their life, And, hopefully along the way, we'll learn how we can be a better part of our community. The year is 1871. Successful attorney and real estate investor Horatio Spafford is devastated by a massive fire that burns over 2,000 acres of the city of Chicago. The fire killed 300 people and left another 100,000 residents homeless. 17,000 buildings are destroyed, including most of Horatio's business holdings. Things go from bad to worse, though, when his four-year-old son gets sick with scarlet fever and dies. With all of the loss and devastation, he decides he and his family need a break. So they book a vacation to England. He puts his wife and four daughters on a boat and plans to follow them a little bit later after he finishes up some business at home in Chicago. But while that first boat was sailing across the Atlantic Ocean, the ship was involved in a tragic accident and sinks, killing more than 200 people, including Horatio's four daughters. After hearing the news, Horatio drops everything and jumps on a ship to join his wife in England. She had survived the accident. Somewhere in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, the captain who knew Horatio's story tells him that they were just now passing over the location where his daughters drowned during that terrible shipwreck the thoughts that filled mr spafford's mind spill onto the paper as he writes these words when peace like a river attendeth my way when sorrows like sea billows roll whatever my lot thou hast taught me to know it is well it is well with my soul yep that familiar and comforting hymn was written out of the massive tragedy Horatio experienced, losing his business, his son, and his daughters. On today's podcast, I'm chatting with another songwriter who has been writing out of the tough situations in her life. When Sherry Keggy's dad took his own life, it caused her to go into one of the darkest, most difficult times in her own life. There was grief and anger. There was counseling and studying. But the one thing that Sherry said helped and continues to help navigate these times is her relationship with her loving Lord and Savior. Today, we're going to explore how to live a life after tragedy strikes. Well, we'll get to our interview in just a minute, but I wanted to introduce you to Doug Hoffman. Doug is the executive director of Mercy Inc. Doug, it would be really cool if you could just tell us a little bit about what is Mercy Inc. and what do you do? Mercy Inc. is a humanitarian 501c3 organization We do humanitarian work around the world. We like to describe ourselves as being the hands and feet of Jesus to those that are disadvantaged, those who don't have what we have. And that might be food, that might be health, that might be spiritual. We reach out to them through compassion work, through helping hands bring them to Christ. I mean, that's our ultimate goal around the world. So if you think about it, what did Jesus do when he was on this earth? Jesus reached out to them. He was always healing, he was feeding, he was nurturing, he was helping emotionally. And that's what our model for for Mercy is, to be like Jesus, always think about what would Jesus do if he was in that situation. Thanks, Doug. To learn more about the work of Mercy, Inc., head over to their website, mercyinc.org. You can learn more about being the hands and feet of Jesus around the world by visiting their website, mercyinc.org. The world was introduced to my guest when she released her first album, Child of the Father, in 1994. That album was followed up by My Faith Will Stay, What Matters Most, and There's Joy in the Lord to round out the 90s. And with album titles like these, you might figure that everything has gone great for Sherry Kage. But like so many of us, life has a way of handing out some difficult situations. In addition to several hit songs, Sherry's also had a number of life blows. This reminds me of the verse in 2 Corinthians that says, All praise to God, our merciful Father, and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others. Well, this month, Sherry has released a brand new album, What I Know to be True, which is born out of some challenging seasons. And I think that this is going to be a chance for us to learn about comfort of the Father. So help me. Welcome to the podcast, Sherry Kagey. Welcome, my friend.
0: Hello. Thanks for having me.
1: (laughs) We've tried to schedule this a couple of times, but you've been busy getting this album done.
0: Right. That was sort of my my narrow vision focus for a time. And I'm so grateful now to actually be on this side of it, You know that that it's actually here and uh, where God can begin to use it out in the world.
1: (laughs) Well, you've been doing the the independent musician thing for quite some time. And so that means a lot of like Kickstarter and, and fan funding. How has that been a challenge compared to when you were on a label and they paid for everything? (laughs)
0: <laughs> right. Well, it just means your your hands are in every single aspect of the thing. But it is a, a great tool, you know, that I'm grateful that exists that um, and that there are enough fans and friends still following me yeah. <laughs> or still interested in a new song from me to um, to actually pledge and support so that the record could be made. So I'm just really grateful for that.
1: So you see a lot of different hands and different things. What are, what's the things that you're doing now that you didn't used to do that you love the most? And what do you, oh goodness, I don't want to do this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, I mean, <clears throat> just, uh, you know, schedule the nut, what I call the nuts and bolts of ministry, you know, scheduling things and, uh, you know, sending, uh, bios or you know whatever the requests are that are coming through even just uh you know sending now i'm trying to sort of bring my music up with the times and the way that people today release music Mm -hmm. and so i've got some marketing help and so okay now we need a little we need a little video the canvas video for the spotify behind your single and so you (laughs) you're a videographer now and you know and so anyway just funny things like that but you you're motivated because you know that uh, all of these things are a means to an end, the purpose to be able to share the music and the hope of the gospel. And, and so they're just, uh, you know, necessary evils, if you will.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, to jump back, I always like hearing how people get started in music. And mm-hmm. I think it's fairly well known that you're, you were kind of, quote unquote, discovered by Charlie Peacock. But what was music before Charlie, before... Uh, Phil got involved. What was music yeah. like for you as you were getting started?
0: Well, I mean, take, it, it depends on how far you want to go back.
1: Let's <laughs> That's go to the to how I answer the
0: question. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I mean, at the age of seven, I began taking piano lessons. And so that was kind of my thing. And then began playing in church or for the school talent show and just developing that gift and then became involved in church worship, where I was an actual on staff as, as a worship coordinator, and my job to pick and plan uh, songs for congregational worship. Sure. So it was in that setting that I then began to write my own songs as an expression of whatever the sermon was for that week, and my first worship song being uh, inspired from Psalm 91, which was a single on my first album, Child of the Father, which the song was, You, O Lord, Are My refuge." i think the... And so that was like, you know, just the beginning of a discovery that I could express uh, my love for the Lord and what he was teaching me and how he was challenging me, um, you know, in a song. And I could I could rehearse truths that I myself needed to know and digest in my heart and soul. I could rehearse them through song, through music, you know? Yeah. And essentially, in a lot of ways, memorizing scripture mm, because yeah. so much of my uh, songs are inspired through scripture.
1: How true is it that music helps our minds remember stuff? And mm-hmm. I've thought a lot of time, I mean, I remember songs from Bible Club and Good News Club as a kid that I could That's recite right. the books of the Bible things because there's a, a melody that goes along with it, so...
0: That that's right. <laughs> yeah.
1: So what was the first do you remember the first time you you wrote a song was it for you personally was it for congregationally for worship and what was it like saying I'm going to get this out and start sharing it with other people?
0: You know, a little a, a little um trepidation there and yet these songs these early songs were coming so easily. Hmm. Uh, and that—that—that's not to boast in myself. It was just discovering that you know God, uh, God has gifted us individually in unique ways, and so it was like, wow, this this song just flowed out really naturally, uh, the melody and the lyric. Uh, and this, this must be from the Lord because I'm kind of baffled as to what's happening here, <laughs> Yeah, you know? And I did, I had, I, you know, I didn't, I don't have a degree in music, you know, a college degree or anything, but, uh, so that even enforces that principle that, that God doesn't always, um, call the equipped, he equips the called. Mm. And so I had to go, you know, as people, as I was beginning to share those early songs with just first the local church and then on, like with my first recordings, it was, um, gosh, god must really be in this because this is beyond me you know yeah um but but i think he just he he delights in taking our little offerings you know in fact yeah. i have a, a song on this uh on my new release it's called take my little make it much and it, it so demonstrates the way god works
2: take my
1: So as you're looking back over the past 30 years or so of music ministry, do you have kind of a highlight that you go, "Oh my goodness, God, I can't believe You allowed me to do that." Was there some some kind of a highlight that went like, "Oh, that's amazing! I can't believe."
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, that's such a great question. And as I think back, kind of one of the first things that pops into my mind is. You know, having the opportunity to travel to the Holy Land uh-huh. and sing at the garden where the where they believed to be the tomb where Jesus' bodies w- was laid, you yeah. know, of course peeking in there and see that he was no longer in there, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um because he had risen indeed. But on that on those grounds, you know, taking a little communion service where I sang the song in remembrance of me, just uh-huh. a cappella, no keyboard, no microphone, no speakers, but just you know, sang it in that space as we took communion in the Holy Land. Wow. You know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, so.
1: how cool is that? I bet you that inspired some music to write too, right?
0: Well, yes, there was, um, there was an album that was released, not, not too, you know, fairly close around that time, I think as well. But anyway, all those life experiences certainly did, they come into the fabric of who you are right? and just make, make you, Uh, love Jesus all the more. Um, when you see his pursuit of people through the ages, like you do when you're visiting some of these, you know, antiquated sites. So,
1: (laughs) yeah. Well, (laughs) you, you talked about how life experiences kind of drive what you'd write. And as I kind of alluded Mm -hmm. at the front, at first everything was happy go lucky. It's like, things are going great. Now you have titles of, of albums of so I can tell no longer my own, uh, what I know to be true. These feel a little bit darker. These feel a little bit more Mm
2: -hmm.
1: like there's been some challenge. And I kind of alluded to that in the introduction. Mm -hmm. You talked uh, in previous, as we were getting this set up, you talked about the fact that you dealt with a really tough situation around your dad. You want to share a little bit about that and how has that affected music for you?
0: right. Um, it's so interesting. Someone, um, I'm getting ready to do another podcast with someone else and they asked ahead of time, what would you name this podcast? And it came to me a potential title and it brought tears to my eyes, even as I typed it in the little window, right? It the title was how child of the father prepared me for what I know to be true. Mm. And of uh, just like saying that we're like, wow, because from yeah. the beginning, um, the Heavenly Father has loved me with an everlasting love. And when I wasn't ever in a million years expecting to lose my earthly father, and the way that I did, he took his life in uh, fall of 2018, mm. which was a shock to all of us. Yeah. Um, you know, so I lost my earthly father, but it was this way that the Heavenly Father showed another level of, of his love to me. Even through that despair, you know, I was, I lived in a fog of grief for a good bit, but I I was very, very at the foot of the cross, very immersed in scripture and journaling and prayerful and reading a lot of books and just desiring God's healing in my life so that I could see what his next steps were for me, um, I did grief counseling, you know, grief, share various tools that God allowed me, you know, where I gave acts, God access to my heart. Mm. Um, to go, oh, how do I live in a world without my earthly dad? Yeah, <laughs> You know, well, I continue on with the heavenly father and my relationship with my earthly dad is eternal because I praise God that he was a believer. Mm. And so beyond the father daughter relationship, we're brother and sister in Christ. And um, so there were so many just assurances and um Promises that the Lord ministered to me, and you know, to where I could finally get to the point, even writing songs, hashing out some of that grief, processing yeah. the grief. Uh, there's a song on the album about suicide, there's a song on the album about abandonment wounds. Um, you know, there's a song about uh, a song that I wrote and sang for my dad's celebration of life service called It Hurts to Say Goodbye to You.
2: Who'll bring the flowers? the memories of a great imperfect life now made new Cause it hurts to say goodbye to you Oh, precious, precious in the sight of the Lord Is the death of His saints If you're leaving Joy to the lord then i ask myself, how can i complain? it's based
0: from a scripture that ministered to me the night i got the call from my sister mm-hmm. about what had happened with dad and what came to mind immediately was psalm 116 15 that says, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Mm. Um, You know, and that ministered to me so much. It's like that the mystery of that Lord. How is it that this horrific thing could could somehow, in a sense, you you're blessed to receive my father in the heavenlies, you know? yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And so that comforted me in a mysterious way. And I have the promise that I'll see my dad again one day. So I'm grateful to have, you know, I don't know if I'll do another recording after this new album or not, but I will say that God very much was requiring me to steward these songs, mm. you know. And so I, I, it's very therapeutic for me to write the songs and to process my grief Through that, it helps transfer the weight of that emotion onto the keyboard, if you will, Yeah. Um, if you could picture that. And it just takes the edge off just a little bit. And again, it's rehearsing those truths. Remind me what I know to be true. So this album is me rehearsing the truth, rehearsing what I know to be true about God, um, Jesus, his death on the cross, his provision for me um, through his death and resurrection, forgiveness of sins, and the promise of everlasting life, and all of those things.
1: I can't begin to imagine the pain of losing a family member through something that was not medical or, I mean, Mm -hmm. I lost my dad this year uh, after Mm -hmm. years of Alzheimer's, dealing with Alzheimer's, and that, you know, you kind of expect it. You see, it's you know happening
0: mm-hmm. but this mm-hmm. is
1: one day your dad's there and one day he's not and what right i, I can't imagine how that that impacted you what that must have done mm-hmm. i mean that's like taking the wind out of your sails in all areas
0: Right. It, it rocked, you know, I've had other griefs, you know, the scripture speaks of griefs of various kinds, you know, yeah. I've had other griefs in the past, you know, and navigated that and found the Lord to be my true foundation. But this was a grief that rocked my world like no other, I will say, um, you know, and I wrote, you know, there's a lyric in a song called Destination Home, Um this will capture a moment in time. The lyric is you left a note for mother, but there was none for me. If I didn't know how much you cared, guess I'd still be angry. The power of a moment. You just can't take it back. Lord have mercy for the things we lack. Uh, You know, my, my dad, though he loved the Lord and had a very genuine faith and we could talk, we had a great relationship and we could talk honestly about, you know, life issues, struggles, the word, all of that, Um, a great exchange that way. In the end, for some reason he, now he did have some health worries, I think, but nothing had been really solidly determined, Okay. but he had been always so physically active and a world traveler, backpacker, rock climber, a retired deputy sheriff, a veteran, all. And so strong in those ways. And now he was facing his own um, frailty, so to speak. And we don't know exactly what, what happened in those final moments, um, but he, uh, you know, had a moment of despair and somehow believed that it would be better for him to be gone than to be here. And and that's what I say, you know, um, you know, to to, as I was ex- expressing and working through, this grief is like, Dad, you know, you may have ended your own pain, but in so doing, you multiplied yeah. it exponentially onto yeah. those who loved you yeah um so that's what yeah we've experienced as a family um you know and yet we're still holding to jesus because what other choice do you have you know yeah and uh, he's our great great hope and our sure sure anchor and and so you know now it took me a year i would say before i actually even really divulged you know that in fact, my dad's death. Yes, I was saying, yes, it was unexpected, that kind of thing. But in fact, that he had taken his life, uh, I wasn't sure would that be something that I would share or not. Mm. Um, but you know, it. You know, I know that dad's totally free now, yeah. and so um, what I do know is that he would want me to continue singing in some way and and sharing my faith, and so uh, I think that he'd be good with it. <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, I, I want to make it clear. My asking these questions has nothing to do about glorifying the situation. Um, as as I was preparing for today, the the, the scripture in Second Corinthians that uh, talks mm. about God's comforting us in times of difficulty, so that we can comfort others. And you talked a little bit about the importance of sharing your story. What would you say to somebody who's going through this right now? Have had a friend or a family member that has chosen to end their life, and mm-hmm. absolutely, there's pain, there's hurt, there's suffering that goes along with it. Uh, questioning why, um, all of these mm-hmm. things. You 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 beautifully said that God is your rock and your salvation, and through this situation. But I'm sure there's days that that didn't feel very comforting.
0: Right. um i I mentioned feeling like I was in a fog of grief, like feeling not totally myself. And I, I read many books, and one one of them stated that, you know, every, survivor of suicide loss, is, is looking for their life to feel normal again, following a life event that is so not normal. Mm, yeah, And so I kept waiting to, to feel like myself again. And there wasn't anything I could do to sort of, you know, pull myself up from my bootstraps. But I had enough track record and history of God's faithfulness to me, that I knew that he could, he could just hold me in that place of uncertainty and, um, that uncharted territory, he could hold me. I could lean into him, not run away from it, you know, lean into the pain, uh, show up with him in my heart (laughs) and, um, trust the process that as I desired healing and asked him to heal my broken heart, that he would do it And And we can't always control the timing and the way by which that occurs. Uh, it, you know, so I did, after some time, realized, you know, I think I do need to talk to someone in this case, one on a one-on-one grief counseling situation. And um, this gal led me through a book called The Grief Recovery Handbook, mm. which enabled me to create a relationship graph about my dad. Because when someone takes their life, even if you had a good relationship, uh, whatever the status of your relationship, when it ends so suddenly, the relationship is, is emotionally incomplete. So the, there were things that I might have liked to have been able to say to my dad um, that I then was able to say essentially through a, a letter that I eventually wrote and read with my grief counselor holding that space for me. Mm. Um, so I was surprised at, uh, you know, how the Lord, our Jehovah Rapha did yeah. use that. Um, toward healing in my life. And so, you know, I say to the families that are just shattered and brokenness that, um, that God sees, he's the God who sees, uh, he knows, and you don't have to try to control your grief process. Everyone is different in that way. And, um, if you can just surrender it and keep looking to the Lord, uh, he wants to, um, uh, whisper his assurances. He wants to remind you of his promises, and um, he wants to be the one who's there to dry your tears. And he did that for me, and he'll do it for you.
1: I think it's important for us to realize, and you kind of touched on this, but is that God is there to walk through this with us. Uh, You know, if if, if, if you were to push me out in front of a bus and I'd get hit and break my arm, I'll probably have things that I have to deal with with this healing of the broken arm, maybe I've got tinnitus or arthritis or something. Those things are still going to be there. So it's not like God's going to take this away and all of a sudden everything's 100% normal again. So how has God worked with you through this continual, it's not the same, but it's okay because God's in this with me?
0: Right. So it's sort of a, you know, I think the, the expression leading with a limp mm. is a good way to put it uh, because you've known some brokenness. And yet there's this verse. It's a very peculiar verse in Ecclesiastes um, that it's, it's uh, chapter seven, verse four. It says the heart of the wise is in the house of mourning. Mm. We don't love to go to the house of mourning, you right. know
2: <laughs> right <laughs> we, yeah. don't,
0: we don't love to go to the dark place and yet that is a, a space where God it's almost as though he, he makes himself great according to the depth of our need. He shows up to meet us and we receive in that place the treasures of faith, the treasures of God is God himself as our reward so that more and more we're clinging to him and not the things of the world, not even looking for security in earthly relationships, you know, that are good and wonderful and gifts and blessings from the Lord, but um, that we're clinging only to him because there's nothing else hard as we might try. There's Mm -hmm. nothing else that we can control, can't control other people's choices and decisions. And um, so we, cling to him. And um, there's a, so many of your listeners probably familiar with the devotional streams in the desert.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, right. You yeah. know, that's been one that's been a comfort to me through many years. And there's a little excerpt in there I wrote that says sorrows come to stretch out spaces in the heart for joy. Mm. So it's almost like the, the deeper sorrows we experience here on this earth when we are Experiencing God's matchless love in the depth of those places, yeah. we we have the ability to experience a joy that's otherworldly uh, because of because of his intimate touch. Yes. In our heart. Yes. We and we then can die to ourselves for whatever it is. You know, I did. I fought with the Lord a little bit, even though I'd written these songs it was a battle to choose to show up every day to say, yes, I'm going to work through the steps to get these songs recorded and released. And, of course, Uncle Phil Keggy came alongside yeah. and we co-produced this record together. And he was such a blessing for such a time as this. But I had to go, you know what, I'm gonna, I, this is hard. This feels like a mountain to me because, again, now I'm leading with a limp. And I'm not so self-assured anymore, you know, but I have the one assurance that's the Lord. And he was egging me on. um, And, and I said, you know, just made a pact with the Lord. If it's the last record I record, I will do this. I will do this thing and trust you with the results.
1: You, You made a very nice segue into the fact that you've got this new album out. And I want to talk a little bit about this, um, what I know to be true. The, the current single is yours to keep. And I just love this picture uh, of God singing over us and saying, we've got this junk, but you're, you're mine to keep. That's what I took out of it. <laughs> and, I, and I think of the Psalms, I've been reading through the Psalms, listeners know we've talked about this a number of times, but the things that change in the Psalms isn't the situation that the people are in. It's God's changing our heart. So talk a little bit about how you hope that these songs, which were born out of this tough time and some other situations, but how how do you hope our listeners will receive these songs uh, to, to to minister to them?
0: Just Just that they would receive it as, you know, God's message of love, of specific individual love and care for them. You know, when I was so hurting and so broken, I was grappling still looking for things um to comfort me so his comfort is available you know (laughs) yeah um it's a matter of just you know like just contending with that just continuing to contend with the lord Mm -hmm. and trusting him to do a work in our lives as we you know keep choosing surrender daily, mm. moment by moment, if needed, you know, yeah. if this was a quicker journey, like, of course, we all want things to go quicker. It was seven years <laughs> <Right>. from <laughs> yeah. my 2015 release, no longer my own, to this one. And you're going, what were you doing in that seven years? Well, a whole lot. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: I was married for 22 years to my high school sweetheart. And sadly, that ended in divorce. And I expressed a lot of my, um, pain and and God's healing in that in the 2012 release so I can tell mm-hmm. yeah so that's sort of like my post-divorce album I think of it as um and then but the Lord allowed me to marry again and brought me a new husband so I am uh we're coming up on uh we're coming up on five years no okay coming up to do that. <laughs> six years six years <laughs> In December. Yeah. Um, And so, you know, that's uh, the Lord's mercy that He's the God of second chances. Yeah. When we've made a mess of things or others have made a mess of things. However, God has a way of redeeming things and bringing beauty from the ashes in our lives. Um, And then now uh, I'm enjoying a new season as a grandmother, you know, doting on two grandsons. So wearing the grandma Sherry hat
1: yeah, <laughs> is a
0: rich blessing. So, I mean, on the album is a, is a, a song uh, that we sang in our wedding called restoration song and another song that, uh, I saying as a surprise at my daughter's baby shower,
2: uh, uh,
0: so there's there's a lot of joy captured on this record as well. Even though I am spelling out spilling out my guts yeah. in the grief story as well, um, but you know what I would say is, you know, I, there's a song on the album called "Some Hearts Don't Mend," and that sounds maybe not biblical or something, but I'm making the point. Um, that hard things things happen
2: and were forever changed. What is this, some leftover grief Just when I thought it was okay to breathe easy I was fine just now doing my thing Till that old song went and triggered me And the tears rolled down my face As if it was only yesterday but I let them come and I didn't run because there is such a thing as good grief that honors the weight of the memory when it's done and when they. How this thing works. Yes, there is healing and finally acceptance. You no longer live with a crippling hurt. When the tears roll down your face, you say that was then, but this is today. Thank God for the day. the memory when it's done. And we're never the same when all that is lost simply won't
0: In many ways, even though we can experience a lot of transformative healing on this side of heaven, there's the complete healing that happens in heaven,
2: yes.
0: uh, where God takes everything that is crooked and makes it straight. And so, it's okay uh, if we're uh, if we're operating in our various callings with brokenness. Mm. It's there through those cracks that the love and light of Christ shines through all the more brilliant. Yes. And so so be it, you know, if we have to be broken, then we can be all the more useful for his kingdom work. And if we're saying that we're laying down our lives uh, for his use, for his glory, uh, for his kingdom, then it's actually seems to happen best when we're at our weakest. You know that that he is strong and people see the strength of Jesus in our lives because of the hard things we've navigated.
1: Well, and I think a lot of times, if we were to be able to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, like you said, mm-hmm. all of a sudden, it's all us. It has nothing to do with mm-hmm. God. And so to mm-hmm. be able to say, in my weakness, you are strong, Lord. Mm-hmm. That's where mm-hmm. um, Adrian Snell put out an album just recently called Kintsugi, the art of, oh, I forget the last part of it, but it's the Japanese art of taking broken vases and gluing them together with gold and making bigger, beautiful artwork out of it.
2: Yes, And yes. I
1: think of that as how God is using you and me in our brokenness, mm. in the things that are handed to us, in the garbage of life. He ultimately mm. wants to glue us back together with gold and make us more valuable than we were at the beginning. Right. And, and, and that can't happen unless we're broken.
0: Yeah, and that's just so him. That's yeah. so his faithfulness. And uh, so his kindness and his mercy, his goodness to do that work in, in our lives and, you know, and he will do it. And if you're feeling stuck, I would say in my grief time, I felt stuck.
2: Mm. And
0: even though I was clinging to the scriptures, I, I still just could not move forward. And I felt like I had lost my mojo. I said to my mm. counselor, I've lost my energizer bunny work yeah. mojo, you yeah. know,
2: <laughs> Yeah.
0: and um, I have a little bit more of that back, but it's, it's, it's still not entirely like it was before. It's new and different and, yeah. um, and it's okay. God is good and able to take these hard things and use them for our good and, um, and for his kingdom purpose. So I'm really, really grateful.
1: Every Saturday I send out a newsletter where I ask folks to pray for musicians And uh, how can we specifically be praying for you in the weeks and the months that are coming up?
0: Uh, It blesses me so much that you asked that. And I think, gosh, this what a compassionate guy. Thank you, first off, for the invitation to pray you all prayed just as i was trying to navigate all the logistics and nuts and bolts of releasing this music feeling overwhelmed with it all so thank you for those prayers god you know opens away you just kind of kind of um we don't always know the five steps we sometimes just know the one step right. and then that leads to the next step and the next step it truly is a faith walk right
1: right yeah <laughs> um, yeah
0: so i think um you know I guess continued prayer now is the music is out there uh, that God would minister to hurting hearts, that those who have been clinging to lesser loves, if you will, would cling all the more to the everlasting love we have in the Lord and put their trust in him, our true anchor, other than rather than the false anchors. So that would be one thing. And um, I guess just Wisdom for my husband and I to know how, where to put our energies, just in serving, you know, fam- different family relationships, and just you know, trying to to live out our our callings with wisdom. If, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, you know, like all of us, you're you're spinning all these plates. Two nights ago, we spent the night with my daughter. To help her with her two kids because her husband was out of town and, you know, you're, and so you, you get it just wisdom and discernment and, and where to put our energies and for God to supply grace sufficient in those places where we're needed and serving.
1: Dealing with grief and loss is a part of life. If you are part of the human race, then you will have tough times. You will deal with the death of people you love, and you may even lose your own health or business. In fact, Jesus stated it in John 16. He says, in this world, you will have trouble. And so often, we as Christians tell each other to lift our heads up. You've got this. God's got this. It's going to be okay. And I firmly believe that, but I also believe that it is good for us to deal with grief. It is good for us to go through the valley of the shadow of death. Sherry Kage referred to Ecclesiastes 7, and that scripture says, Sorrow is better than laughter, because a sad face is good for the heart. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning. Or then there's the verse I read at the beginning of the episode from 2 Corinthians. All praise to God, our merciful Father, and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others. I believe that we have to go through these tough times in order to teach us that we are not capable of doing life on our own. We have to have difficult experiences to allow us to experience God's perfect strength. Without life's disappointments and challenges, we would have no need for God in our life, so we have to go through these. So if you are going through some difficult times, my encouragement to you is not to rush the process. Sit in the middle of grief. Allow yourself to be angry. Voice your frustrations, but know that you don't have to do that alone. God is going to work in and through the tough spot you are in to make you stronger. I know it doesn't feel like it now, and you might even be angry at God for the circumstances you are in. But God is big enough to take that anger and hurt. He loves you, and he wants to go through this with you. Today, I featured several songs from Sherry Kagi, most of which come from her brand new album, What I Know To Be True. I'd like to thank Sherry for the permission to share these songs with you, and I want to encourage you to head over to Sherry's website where you can check out the rest of the album, and I'll put all the contact details in the show notes for this episode. What I Know To Be True is also available wherever you stream your music, so please go listen to the rest of the record. It's just a really good one. As always, thank you for joining me for this conversation today. I am grateful that we get to spend this time together each week hearing stories of God's amazing faithfulness. As a regular listener to this podcast, would you reach out and say hello? You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or LinkedIn by searching for at Exchange, Or you can also drop me a line on my webpage, christianmusicarchive.com. I've got several interviews scheduled next week, and I look forward to sharing those conversations with you. I always look forward to our time together, so join me next week for another episode of the Christian Music Archive podcast. To close things out this week, I leave you with my standard reminder, God loves you. In fact, he's crazy about you.
2: It's time for another mischievous Maurer's miscellaneous misquotes.
1: Two parrots are sitting on a perch. One turns to the other and says, Do you smell fish?